Star Wars 7x7 episode 2795. So it's a Spinner Sunday and I thought that the Life Day one shot that came out last year was going to be uh, just a nice fluffy thing to look at and be cool. And it turns out that it's four stories and they're all pretty impactful in their own ways taking place across Star Wars storytelling eras. Punch it! <laughs> Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. Alright, we'll see how we do with this. The Life Day one-shot that came out last year. Four stories, there's a framing story that takes place during the sequel era, it's basically before the events of The Force Awakens, and then there are three stories contained within that take place in other eras. One is a High Republic story, one is a story that takes place in between the prequel and the original trilogy, and and one takes place during the events of the original trilogy. Now the three stories that aren't the framing story don't have anything to do with the framing story. In fact, I'm not really sure why they call it a framing story. <laughs> they just may as well have you know run all four stories together separately, but they take that framing story and they splice it into bits. So that way you've got a little framing and then the higher public story and then a little framing and then the dark times story and then a little framing and then the original trilogy story and then the final bit of the framing story. And this is full spoiler by the way, but it's been a couple of months so you know, <laughs> we don't need to go deep into spoiler warning territory, right? The highlights of the High Republic one include the fact that it's Nib Asek and his Padawan Buryaga the Wookiee who are going to Kashyyyk and it just so happens that it's happening around Life Day but there are reports of odd goings on and some unusual baubles that have been strung around the trees including the Chosen Tree of Life and it turns out that these are Drengir little nodules. Then a fight ensues and they manage to rid the joint of the Drengir which is fantastic and there's some wondering around, oh gee, you know, I wonder why you know the Drangir weren't able to you know take over everything on Kashyyyk. It would certainly seem like it would be a bad idea for the Drangir to get seated on Kashyyyk, but you get the idea that the forces of the forest itself on Kashyyyk, like that they are able to keep the Drangir at bay, and you know, perhaps that's actually what's been happening. You know, the Drangir just haven't taken over, but the darkness has kind of been wilting the trees, and so it's kind of rotten them slow, but the Jedi arrived in time to be able to handle it. And the awesome thing about the story as well is that it features a certain Wookiee by the name of Atichak, who of course is Chewbacca's father, Itchy, if you will. And Nivasek and Buryaga join a life day dinner and there is a little Wookiee playing with a ship at the table and you kind of have that moment of, oh my gosh, are we seeing a young Chewbacca? Well, we are not. And the reason why that's the case is because Chewbacca is born approximately 200 BBY, which would still be in the High Republic times, but Nib Asek is, and this is getting spoilery for The Fallen Star, I believe, so there's your warning there. Nib Asek dies as a result of the events of The Fallen Star, so the fact that Nib Asek is alive in this story means that it's got to be happening before 2.30 BBY, and so we are at least 30 years ahead of the birth of Chewbacca in this story. Then the Dark Time story features 
Han and Chewie on a job for Jabba the Hutt. They're picking up some corrosive charges from a bunch of Trandoshans, and they're paying in Wapiupi, which I thought was funny because that's the currency that we hear about from The Phantom Menace when Jar Jar steals something from a street vendor, and the guy's like, hey, you gonna pay for that? It costs some Wapiupi, and I just thought that was fun. But problems ensue when Chewbacca discovers a Life Day orb laying around and questions the Trandoshans about it, and the Trandoshans are talking to Han with your Wookiee kind of language as if Chewbacca's property and that of course is a really bad thing in general and also specifically makes Han and Chewie angry and they refer to the Life Day Orb as trash just like everything else on the planet that they're on so naturally a fight ensues and you come to find out that the Trandoshans have arrived on this planet where Wookiees were making medicines and they enslaved the Wookiees and turned them into chemical weapons producers. And as if that wasn't horrific enough, the Trandoshans are getting the material for their chemical weapons production from a sedated sarlacc. They have a sarlacc somehow in this facility. And so a fight ensues, as I said, where Chewbacca nearly goes down into the sarlacc pit, but the head Trandoshan ends up falling in there. Good, that's the way it should be. And Han and Chewie also, like, Han's able to grab a hold of him with a uh, grappling hook, but then starts to get pulled off the ledge himself, and so the both of them are going to go into a Sarlacc pit until the other Wookiees manage to arrive in time and save them from that fate. So it's kind of funny to think that the engagement with the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi was not Han and Chewie's first experience with a Sarlacc. That's kind of crazy. And then the Rebellion timeline story is a story about the Rebellion going to you know, meet up with a group of folks who are resisting the Empire and... 3PO is sent out by Han Solo on an errand to get a you know nice Life Day decoration for Chewie because Chewie hasn't been in a great mood there out and about on Life Day. He misses his family. And it turns out that they are you know trying to avoid an Imperial Security Bureau agent who's been lurking in the area. And children are singing songs in the street and it turns out that the rebels on this particular planet have taught the children to sing songs that will alert people of empire activity and so the droids hear it and report it back to the rebels on the planet and so they lure the isb agent into a trap and knock him out and that's how <laughs> that story goes. But the framing story that they had that takes place sequel era might actually be the most interesting one of all for the things that it touches. First of all, it takes place after Han Solo has lost the Millennium Falcon, and so he's flying the Aravana with Chewie. And he and Chewie get invited by a friend to meet up on Batuu for Life Day, so yeah, a little Galaxy's Edge thing thrown in there, but it turns out that Conja Club has gotten to this friend and blackmailed him and threatened his family if he didn't help them get a hold of Han Solo. And Conja Club is already on his tail looking for him, so this may be the point at which he's accepted money from Conja Club, but he has not yet accepted money from the Guavian Death Gang. So Oga from Oga's Cantina is super mad that Conja Club is there looking for Solo and is holding up all the patrons at the bar because that's where Han and Chewie were supposed to meet this friend, and Chewie's already there. Oga is steaming mad because Life Day is apparently the most profitable day of the year for her, so that's kind of an interesting thing to know if you're actually gonna go to the real life Galaxy's Edge. They might really do things up for Life Day. 
But of course, Oga and Han, along with a flash grenade secreted in a life day orb, are able to get the jump on the Kanja Club folks and save the day for everyone who's being held hostage in the cantina. And then Han, to try to make it up to everyone, says, all right, drinks are on me, and also trying to make it up to Oga, but he <laughs> reflects that he doesn't really have the credits to pay, but he at least gets to celebrate in the moment. And so there's that, and he'll deal with the problem of not not being able to pay for it later. And as they fade out from the story and Han is reflecting on the situation, he's like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm buying drinks and I'll have to deal with this. What's the worst that could happen? And the, you know, comic panels, if you imagine it like a camera, panning up to the ceiling around Oga's cantina where there's a little baby Dranger up there in the wall and goes, hiss, like it's still alive, which is a really bad thing to consider for sequel era that Dranger might actually be active at this point, unless that was just meant to be a funny little thing and not actually legit, I don't know. So now I think I may end up spending a good chunk of the rest of the day wondering whether Rogue Squadron are gonna be taking on the Dranger in 2023. <laughs> yeah, how are they going to do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, so there you go. That is the breakdown of the Life Day one shot on this Spinner Sunday. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.